0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today's episode kicks off the first part of a two-episode series. Our guest is Dr. Comte, who has recently finished his first year of pharmacy residency. He will be with us in these next two episodes to share his tips and tricks to not only residency, but the residency process. Without further ado, please welcome to the pod, Dr. Jeff Comte.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today I'll be your host again. This is Joe Valazzo speaking. I'm here with Sean Harris.
0: Hey guys, we're excited to bring the second episode to you guys today. We're going to be focusing on the topic of residency and hopefully we'll answer a lot of questions that you may have been having. Yep. And today
1: our guest is a, is a legend. He's not the our typical guest. Usually, we have, usually I introduce our guests with a saying they're usually special. Or they're, or they're amazing, but this one's a legend because he's one of the people that started this podcast, and now he's on the, the other side, and we're interviewing him because he just finished his residency. So welcome, Jeff. Welcome back again to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be back.
1: So to start off, um, you just completed your PGY-1. So can you just talk to us about this experience, and how, how did you expect it to be like?
2: Uh, tough. <laughs> um I think, <laughs> I think everyone tells you that it's it's gonna be a certain amount of difficult when you're going in, but there's no real way to grasp it until you're actually kinda in there. Same same as school. I will say for me at least I found it substantially harder than school, um than rotations. And even I, I had a lot of people describing to me what it would be like, you know, both personally and professionally. Um and even just getting all those opinions in uh, when you're actually there doing it, it's something totally different. Uh For me, it was just a 24-7 experience, just every day, every minute, you know, I was doing something related to the job or thinking about something related to the job. So it's very all-encompassing. It's a much more of a huge commitment of your life Uh mm-hmm. when you're getting into it. I think when you come out of pharmacy school, you come out with like this. You know, even if you, even if you match, come out with this this attitude of like, yeah, I'm gonna have like all this time. Things are gonna be so different. You know, I'm not gonna be busy anymore. Even though you know you're going into residency, there's this little thing in your mind that like, oh, school's over. You know, I got mm-hmm. all the time in the world. You know, this is gonna be great. I'm not gonna be busy. No, but if you go into residency, you're gonna be pretty busy. Uh, you're gonna be much more busy than you were in school. I don't want to say it's like an extension of school because the experience was just so much more different just because of the fact that you're a practitioner but it's definitely that commitment is still there times 10
1: would you say it's like a basically a a very intense rotation that's non-stop (laughs) um you know i can't even
2: compare it to a a rotation because everything i know about a everything i remember about a rotation you know at the end of the day you know nothing's like on your head Mm -hmm. you know like you're not you're responsible for things, but you're not in charge of anything. There's only so much you can do as a student. You can't manage orders or anything. You're still reporting to someone, someone's still watching your back. They're very closely reviewing everything that you do. But whether you're a resident or not, like when you're a practitioner and you're out there, like you're out there, uh, you can you can make legitimate mistakes. You have a lot of responsibilities that are just personally on you, things that you have to get done. And uh, I know as a student, uh, when I was on rotation, I took home a lot of stuff, but this is to another degree of, you know, things I took home, Um, just always being in that work mindset. I feel like even, as a student on rotation, I still had a chance sometimes to go home, even during my hardest rotation, to go home and just disconnect from everything that yeah. was going on at work. It's much less so when you're doing something like this. Got
1: it. Now that you, uh, completed your, your PGY one, um, I don't know if you want to state the place that, that you did your residency at, but what are your future plans now?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was PGY one resident at Sarasota Memorial hospital. So we're a level two trauma center, uh, right over, uh, by the beach in Sarasota. Nice. Uh, we're about 870 beds. If I remember correctly, uh, so regional medical center, mm-hmm. biggest one in Sarasota County, definitely, a. uh, well-recognized, big hospital, you know, we're quickly becoming a a cancer treatment center or a referral center for the area. So it's, it's a major hospital. And I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question?
1: What are your future plans now?
2: Future plans. So I was one of the ones who applied for PGY-2 and didn't match. So initially I was going towards emergency medicine, pretty competitive PGY-2 to be going for. So I ended up not matching. So I'm right now I'm per DMing at Sarasota Memorial. Nice. And basically in this time of COVID, you kind of have two options. You can jump into a clinical position, which are a little, a little, I would say touch and go right now, given that like all the hospitals are hit a little hard by the pandemic. And so some of them are just starting to reopen positions, but in the more hard hit areas, well, hospitals are actually losing money due to the COVID patients.
1: Yeah,
2: You'll see that those job openings are not there. So there's the option to kind of like do that job hunt and get out there and, you know, get an ER clinical position or to apply again, uh, for PGY2, which both are on my mind to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still haven't made up my mind, but, um, luckily it's, it's all one big family at sort Sarasota of Memorial. And so. I can there, transition to a clinical position if I want to and stay there as long as I need to.
1: So it's and good to have a to program that backs you. Yeah. 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 That's great to hear. That's what I was going to say. That's definitely a program that sounds like someone would want to be a part of because there's a, you know, with, with, with the pandemic and everything going on, it's so difficult to know it's, it's more challenging for you to try to figure out what's your next step, especially because, you know, obviously the PGY-2 is not on your hands. You have to apply for it but then also the job market is just, it's down, you know, hospitals, like you said, are losing money as, as this continues. And it's, are there positions available for me? And it's like, maybe do I have to look into something else like community or maybe go a different route in pharmacy that then I wanted just because that opportunity is unavailable, but to have a residency that backs you, that's, that's great to hear. For sure. Yeah.
2: I'm definitely not the expert on this. I don't think anyone is right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what the job market is like at this moment. I mean, Everyone I've talked to has basically just been saying, you know, you have to, you got to hold out, you know, just try and, you know, trying to hold on, try to hold on to whatever connections you have and just wait. If you're trying to get into that clinical environment, wait until things start opening back up. I mean, they will uh, at this point, especially right after match, sort of like in the, uh, in the spring, moving into summer season is when, the new residents, the old residents have graduated and they're getting into their clinical positions. So at the same time, you've got COVID and these newly graduated residents, uh, applying for and getting those jobs. So it's, if you're someone who's on the outside of that trying to get in somewhere, you know, it's not something to feel bad about if you're trying hard to find a clinical position and you can't right now. I would say just hold on to your connections, just particularly the ones you've made on rotations yeah. and just kind of wait it out the best you can.
1: All right. Thank you for that. And then I guess one one question to add on to that, as far as the PGY-2, I guess it's not necessarily frowned upon if, if you haven't gone into one right away. You know, it's okay for you to work maybe a little bit like a year or two and then maybe apply for a PGY-2 versus, you know, with a PGY-1, I feel like usually they want students coming out um, as soon as they graduate to to apply for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's that's what the difference is pretty much. Like if you're... Gonna go for a PGY1. Like, I'm not gonna say at all that this is, you know, impossible to, you know, have some time off and then Mm -hmm. come back around after school and apply for a PGY1. But ideally, from the sense I've gotten, you would do it right after you get out of school. Now, when it comes to PGY2, things are, I feel like, a little bit different from what I've gathered. As long as you can sort of merit that you've been doing something you know, in that time off between the first year and the second residency year uh, to show that you've been honing your clinical skills in that meantime. Like for me personally, I'm going to try and do uh, my BCPS pretty soon. I'm going to try and get crop, crop trained in a lot of different areas in the hospital, just try and keep myself sharp essentially. Uh, and same thing like I was doing when I was applying for PGY one just kind of build myself up in preparation for that role. I will say it's 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 very nice to have a break. It's nice to have a day off like this. <laughs> <laughs> <I> <laughs> bet. Not being in re- yeah, not being in residency anymore, you know, my co-residents who who matched and moved on. You know, we graduated well, we graduated earlier in the week, but our our last day was a Friday and then they started their PGY2 on a Monday. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, the next Monday right after and you know, they had to move into new homes, one of at least one of them in another state. So that's super tough, you know, so I, yeah, I I take my blessings uh, for the fact that, you know, however it worked out that I do get some time off just to relax, Mm -hmm. just to get myself back together um, and sit down with myself and just have some time to think about where I want to take my professional career.
1: Yeah. What's next? And that's needed sometimes. So that's, that's good to hear that You're, you're able to do that while working and still bettering yourself and trying to get board certified and everything with that.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really glad that you uh, have some time off to, you know, spend yourself, relax a little bit. Um, just for, for some of our listeners who may be considering a residency, what advice or tips would you give them?
2: Start thinking about it early. It's ironic. I kind of knew that fact when I, uh, when I was applying for my PGY-2, but I got so busy into my, PGY-2, into my PGY-1 that, like, I started working on it, my application process kind of late in the game which made things tougher on me. I uh, Even for someone like me who knew that, having gone into the PGY-1 that you have to start early, I, I can't stress uh, enough how much you have to really like act in that way, you, how you have to like live by those words, like start early. Uh, ASHP has a great timeline out there. Uh, if you just Google it, ASHP residency timeline, that breaks down like what you should be doing every month leading up to basically all the way to match day. And I think it starts in August. Uh, which is just, you know, a couple of weeks around the corner. So, I mean, for anyone who is thinking about doing this, you know, like there's stuff you should be doing all the way in August, you know, forecast doesn't open up until November, but there's plenty of preparation you have to do all the way up, up until then. In general, I think what you should be doing is just building yourself professionally to fit into that role. I mean, I, you should have a mindset, I think, number one of, you know, do I want to specialize in something in the future? And I know that's Tough uh, to think about this far ahead, but you know, do I have a passion for anything that I've developed throughout pharmacy school? And I would take something like that and, you know, take what that passion is, what your interests are, and let that lead you into, okay, well, what hospitals match that? You know, for me personally, I knew since second year in pharmacy school that it was emergency medicine that I was interested in. So that was, and that I didn't necessarily want to apply to too many out of state programs. So that, that was awesome for me because that narrowed it down immediately to trauma centers in Florida. And there you go. And so that, you know, that's just a handful. And so that already narrowed down a lot of places I want to apply. And then so when I was on rotation, I was looking out for, Hey, what kind of projects can I do that are related to acute care and emergency medicine? Like, can I do an MUE? Can I do some sort of research project? Can I just do little mini things to help out? And what kind of process improvements can I do on my, my APP rotation in the ER? Um, And start building yourself towards that so that when forecast opens up and you put in that application, places are looking for you to be a good match for them and for them to be a good match for you. And so you've been doing that since May. Uh, You have a good shot, I think, at that.
0: Thank you for that. Um, So kind of when people are looking for residencies, there's just so many hospitals. How did you personally decide which residencies you wanted to apply to? I uh, you just briefly just go over that process. Like were you looking specifically at what the PGY one offered there, or did you look into the future of what PGY twos are offered? Like I know everybody has this unique process. So I was very curious what yours was.
1: And you also mentioned like location. So, you know, not doing anything out of state. So that limited a lot of choices, but even in the yeah. state of Florida, I think there's like a hundred or so residencies. There's, there's quite a bit. So how did you really narrow down that? Yeah. So uh, again, you know, I took my,
2: my passion and I, And I said, you know, uh, like for me personally, like I want to do ER. So that narrows down a lot of things for me. Like I'm I'm applying to strong ER programs throughout the state. I would say it really helps if you have a a passion like that. Uh, A lot of people, if not the majority, are considering, you know, what they want to do beyond the the first PGY1 year, even if it's not a PGY2. Like, do you want to specialize in something? Is there something you want to be proficient at clinically? And I think a lot of the majority of people have that in mind when they apply just for the first year. For my program example, uh, I was one of a couple people who had that interest in ER. We had someone who was interested in psych. We had someone who was interested in oncology and our program, Alfred, all of us were each individually a good match in different ways for that hospital. So if you have an interest like that, it's great because if you're interested in oncology, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to apply to these cancer centers or these places with strong oncology programs or that have a oncology rotation and whatnot if not it's okay i mean it's absolutely okay to just be interested in residency and say hey you know i don't know if i want to specialize i don't know what i want to do beyond that but i know very much i want to pursue this training that's okay as long as you make that clear you know you make that intention very clear that you're not just doing this to do it you know you're you're doing this because you want that clinical proficiency even if Mm -hmm. there's not like a specialty that you're trying to get into you're like you're you're not just here just to get this on 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 paper for yourself and so in terms of narrowing stuff down i think that's the biggest thing and then you gotta look at other things like okay like you're saying like do i want to go out of state uh and for and that's always a personal decision you know for me it was like okay if i i had one out of i had a couple out of state applications and i ended up with one out of state interview. And for me, all those those couple applications were in states where I had a lot of family around, and so you know I would have some sort of support system. basis. Yeah, and but some people are, are cowboys, man, and they're like, oh, I'll go to the middle of <laughs> Oklahoma me. and do it. Yeah, do residency, you know, like. <laughs>
1: I'll go forever. to the middle of nowhere. Is like I'm. I'll go anywhere, honestly, as long as it's not right. cold. As long as it's not cold, I'll go.
2: Right. So yeah, I'll go, I'll apply to two states. that aren't cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um yeah so for those kind of people that makes it a little more tough those are the kind of people I highly recommend uh, Year for um I would mm. say it's not necessarily for everyone but that's that's the kind of situation which minher comes into play in helping you narrow stuff down you can see all of that in front of you um and then there's little things you know like okay is this in is this the location that I can survive in you know even if yeah. it's a great program is it in a part of the state where I won't be bored all the time you know you gotta you have to have a personal life too will my family be around how much co-residents will I have that was big for me um mm-hmm. I wasn't really trying to apply anywhere where I would have like less than two people beside me I ended up with five co-residents and I'll tell you that was huge for me um, I knew it would be coming in but it definitely was during the experience as well having like five other people to support you and bounce ideas off of and just work together so that's a big thing too
1: couple things. So first I'll ask about the co-residents and then mid-year, but with the co-residents, how often were you interacting with them like in the hospital? Cause I know you said that they have, there was one that you said was in psych. that was interested in another one in, in oncology, another one with emergency medicine as as well with you. So with the emergency medicine one was, were you with them a lot or are you guys kind of spread out, but it's still a brotherhood since you guys are all doing the residency together. Of course.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah. I'm not aware of programs that are set up intentionally to make you work together. I mean, you're all trying to become independent Mm -hmm. practitioners. So there's there's nothing really there set up, at least in my program, to, you know, make you guys work as a team clinically. Early on in the program, I had a couple of rotations that I did at the same time with another resident, mm-hmm. so there were there were you know i think about three rotations where I was with another resident at the same time, but it wasn't for the purpose of teamwork, it was more so yeah. just logistics that you know like they had to fit two of us in on that rotation. I will say in every other aspect, though it's very much a team i mean you've got uh, a lot of things to do for the year i mean you've got pharmacy week. Uh, residents are, are often in charge of pharmacy week at, at most hospitals you've got things like planning for mid-year in Florida planning for FSHP even certain projects that you're doing around the hospital most programs I would say have chief resident duties that rotate if there's a lot of residents so helping each other with figuring out stuff like that we have med safety initiatives that we have to do as residents in our programs, so helping each other come up with med safety initiatives or just Bounce ideas off of each other. So I would say things outside of like your independent clinical practice, the teamwork was there, uh, and like I depended on them to to work with them as a team. But you know, in in my day to in my day to day learning, you know, if I was was on a rotation having a clinical experience, even with all those co residents, it wasn't set up for me to be working alongside with them. Now, like no, they're they're going to develop you all individually because you're all different people, even. Even that one resident who was also an emer- interested in emergency med. I mean, you're all different people with subtle different interests and different learning styles. So it's not sort of like how it was in school. I know, especially in the yeah. UF, where like Team-based everything moment. is a team. Yeah, from yeah. the moment you walk in, the moment you leave the door, like you got a teammate <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, it's <laughs> you're still part of a team now, but um, you're independent most of the way.
1: All right. Um, uh, thank you for that. And then for mid year. You're saying you would definitely recommend if you're applying to out of state this year, it hasn't been official yet, but I'm assuming, cause it's supposed to be in new Orleans. I'm assuming it's going to be virtual. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little bit different than us going to mid-year, but for maybe the people that are listening that are younger students that aren't fourth year students, can you give any advice about like mid-year? Like what's that experience is like?
2: So I've, I've always had my own strong opinion on Mid-year. so you know you people people might differ on this but i this was something i asked a lot about and thought a lot about and came up to my own conclusion so when i was a fourth year student uh many was in anaheim california so, you know like the other side of the country so you, you're talking about like those travel costs not even counting the uh, the, the cost that it takes like just for registration for many that was a ton of money for, for me you know as a student uh, that's a ton of money for me now and I'm getting paid, you know, so I would say <laughs> that was like a big limiting factor and I, I thought about, you know, what I would get out of it, you know, like because Meteor, um, if you've never been, you go there and it's just like this massive in your face experience. I mean, if you're trying to talk to a program or, you know, get, make a, make a great impression with someone, uh, I would say it's, it's not that easy, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I mean I, I must have talked to dozens of of students at been here at our booth. I don't remember all their names uh i <laughs> I'll be honest with you i yeah, I don't remember most of their names it's just there's just a, such a flood of people, this massive sea of people. there's so much going on um that you either have to somehow make this killer amazing impression. Or you just made a very bad impression that they're, like, they're gonna remember. It's either one extreme or the other, but it's, it's otherwise very hard to stand out and, you know, get your foot in a door with a residency just through mid-year. So that was my, that was the perception that I got, and that's exactly how, how it worked out when I actually went there. And so as a student, you know, I don't quite see the point incurring all that cost on yourself to go there if you can't really get that benefit out of it. Now I like I was saying early, I think the key to mid year where it does come into a play for a student is if you're a student who's going there and you're like, I have absolutely no idea what residency program I want to apply to. Like if you're if you're the Joe Of students and you're like Mm -hmm. i can go to any residency program i'll go to like in alaska i don't care you know like i'm interested in everything i'll go anywhere you know i'll do it all i don't care i'll be the only resident like any program could possibly fit you like okay i would go to Year because like you need to see all of it in person get like a feel for it have something tangible and then you know once you have that real life experience maybe then you can narrow it down because you can't just go on the on the directory online and, and look through all of that. I would say that's where mid-year. I would say that's the narrow space. I think the narrow like little niche where mid year is worth the cost. And number two would probably be if you're on APP rotation and you've gotten, and I mean, really involved in a research project to the point where preceptors at that, at the, that you have say that they want you to present that at mid-year, that's also a, a valid a valid reason to be, to be incurring that cost going to mid-year. And that does look really good when you apply to residency. I'd say two very narrow situations there where I think it's applicable. In other situations, like for me personally,
1: yeah.
2: I, I had narrowed down all those trauma centers I wanted to apply to. They were mostly all in Florida and I could look them up online. You know, and I—I I had no reason. I could get in. You know, I can get in touch with the residents or the RPDs through email or phone. You know, like what do I have to go to mid-year for? I ended up getting you know a good amount of interviews, and I never had to go to mid I—I didn't spend that expense. You know, like you said, things are going to be a little different this year because of COVID. You know, so I—I I have no idea what the format is going to be. Like, like likely going to be virtual, like you said, but that registration fee is still going to be there. I can guarantee you that. Uh You know, midyear—midyear still not going to be free. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's still going to be a, a big cost to incur as a student. So I would say even in a virtual format, you know, if that's something that could hold you back, that registration fee, I, I would say never think going to mid-year is like the end all be all. I, yeah. I think it's actually much the opposite.
1: And I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I always felt how people talk about mid-year, like I have to go. Like if I don't go, I won't get a residency. But it's, it's nice to hear that it's still something that you can do, and it's something that it's more for, in your opinion, it's more for a niche group, basically anybody that that has a research project that they want to present, or anybody that is completely undecided, more like me, <laughs> willing to go anywhere, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and aren't able to narrow down choices. That's a great way for you to get a personal feel, an in-person feel of these different residency programs. You also brought up something interesting that I wanted to ask you about as far as um, the residents, so you said you kind of reached out to them. So did you do that via, like, email, LinkedIn? How did you go about reaching reaching out to them? And were they very receptive to communicating to you about their residency experience?
2: Yeah, um, I didn't reach out through LinkedIn. That's actually a, a pretty cool idea. I'll, I'll be honest with you. This is one of those things that, like, do as I say, not as I do. I, did, I didn't really – we had <laughs> – at, at UF, we had a module where we built our LinkedIn – when well, we made a LinkedIn and you were supposed to build it up and expand your LinkedIn network, I didn't really do all that. I, <laughs> I made, I made the well, LinkedIn out. Yeah. But no, oh, yeah. Don't be like me. Pay attention to your LinkedIn, please. Um, actually you two add, add me after this.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants <laughs> to be going and add, yeah, <laughs> yeah, add, add me, yeah. Yeah, um, me, and that add Sean me. as well.
2: Yeah. That I would, made would it two years good. ago, uh, as part of class, but I gotta, <laughs> I gotta work on it now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good idea for sure. What I, I did is I, I emailed residents or the RPDs. I don't want to say out of the blue, but just from, uh, it was, you know, definitely well before December. If, you know, if it's something you're, you're going to do, understand that as mid-year is coming around, whether it's going to be virtual or this year or not. Uh, you know, November and certainly December, they're going to be super busy. They will not have time to answer your questions mm-hmm. promptly or, you know, to have, you know, very detailed discussions with you. So I was told about that when I was a, a student. So I, I I think I remember emailing places, um, I think it was like October and I want to say like early November. Um, and just, um, not it, like I said, it wasn't quite out of the blue, but it was just co- coming from the standpoint of just, you know, uh general interests in their program and, you know, things that obviously weren't on their website or whatever materials they had out there for information about their program, please don't contact these programs with stuff that you can just find on their website. Don't go and ask them how many beds their hospital is. Don't do that. But, you know, like genuine, you know, genuine and deep questions about their program that you couldn't glean otherwise uh, just from looking at the website, you know, the day-to-day stuff. Uh, what the experience actually is like for a resident you know what a certain what's, what are the activities of a certain rotation uh you know we can do a whole podcast on like you know good questions good you know thoughtful questions to ask program but just think about it you know if you're going to reach out to these programs what exactly you're asking and you know if it's really meaningful stuff mm-hmm. i would say absolutely if you have even if you have a hint that a certain program might be of strong interest to you uh, to do something like that, because if you have a strong interest in that program, there's going to be questions like that that you'll have that you, you're just not going to get from their website. Uh, start with email, reach out to the, uh, you know, the residents, ideally, if you can, because they're going to be less busy. And, you know, just uh, pose those questions to them or the RPD contact info is always uh, on the ASHP directory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did that for quite a few programs and they were all receptive every time. And I can personally say to you that, you know, when I was a resident, if someone had reached out to me in that manner, a hundred percent, I would have gotten back to you right away, you know, despite how busy I am, because, you know, you're just, you know, you're just trying to, you're just trying to build yourself up too. You know, you're, you're trying to get yours and, you know, I'm, I'm receptive to that. And i you know, of course I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get in contact with you. I'll answer whatever questions you want, you know. I'll put you in touch with whoever the hospital you you feel like you need to talk to. But yeah, I think that's a great idea. If you have genuine questions, like I said, people were always receptive. A a lot of them without even me asking, were like, Oh, you know, let's set up a phone call. We can talk about the program. And, you know, I had a couple hour long phone calls about some of these programs uh, with the residents or
1: the RPD, uh, which really surprised me. We had like an (laughs) hour, hour, hour long phone call about, about your place as well.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you always hear that people are so busy. You're like, Oh, there's no way they'd have time or be that receptive, but they are, you know, you just got to do it early in the year. And, you know, you just, it has to be something, it has to be genuine interest. It can't just be surface level questions that you're asking, but I think that's a great idea. I certainly did it. And as opposed to mid-year again, and I'm not like a mid-year hater, but you know that. (laughs) that That's going to be the the one takeaway
1: everybody has is don't (laughs) hate
2: (laughs) mid-year. No, but I, (laughs) but that is something that, you know, you do when people remember your name, you know, not not that that's the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. People do remember your name when you
1: do that. Okay. And then thank you for, uh, I'm assuming you volunteered yourself to do a residency question episode. Since you mentioned that you could do a a whole nother episode on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll be back to season two or whatever we got going, you know. Season four, Ron, season four. We got a bonus bonus edition or like an after dark podcast. Uh huh. <laughs> <Yeah, like,
1: laughs> I like that after dark.
2: I'll be uh, I'll be around. What's the thing that Will Smith and and Jada did? The the red the, red, table? the table
1: talk red table. Yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah yeah yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, We
2: can do that. Yeah, I got you.
1: All right, all right. I appreciate yeah. that.
2: It'll be our first
1: moment.
0: reoccurring guest.
1: Yeah yeah, you, you could be a, a consistent reoccurring guest, like Sean just said. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just another thing to say. You know how you said that everybody would be willing to get back to us, especially the residents, and that's one of the reasons why I love pharmacy. It's because of the people, the the pharmacists, the the networking, the like Sean. You know this, Jeff. I'm sure you experienced this as well. Just the brotherhood that we had at the Orlando campus at UF, and even with the other campuses. Like there's people that I don't even know, but as soon as I meet them, and it's like, oh, I'm from the Orlando campus. We just connect, whether it's Jacksonville or um, Orlando, and even. Uh, this is someone that Sean's friends with that hopefully we can get on a podcast later. And she goes to Palm Beach Atlantic, Sean, fan. Yeah. Okay. Cause we, we thought she went to Nova and then she got on us about that. But she goes to Palm Beach Atlantic and I met her on my hospital, my hippie um, last year. And she was just super cool. And she just clicked with all of the UF, hospital uh students. So it's just like she just clicked she fit right in with us. And that's one of the beautiful things to think about pharmacy is people are always willing to help out and people are really genuine, nice, good people. Like I don't think I've ever come across a person that I haven't liked that's either in pharmacy school or that is a um resident or like on rotations or um a pharmacist. So I think that's one of the dope things about about this field and definitely something that uh, I plan on doing is hopefully to reach out to current residents, whether via LinkedIn or probably via email, email might be a bit pers- more personal. So maybe that might be the better route to go to, to get some questions answered and maybe to see if they could meet with me. Like you said, um, just ask, you know, maybe a quick 15 to 30 minute phone call also to, to add on to that. Are you guys, I don't know if you're allowed to say this or not, but are you as, as a resident, are you kind of involved in the, decision process as far as um who a uh, hospital will be taken as a resident
2: oh yeah just to backtrack real quick yeah you, so you mentioned between linkedin and email like if you're mm-hmm. anyone involved you know in in a residency program or just clinical pharmacy in general you kind of live and die by your email so they're always checking that i don't know how often <laughs> yeah. people check their linkedin so i would yeah i would i would say you know probably the way to go okay but still make your everyone out there still make your linkedin and connect <laughs> Connect with people who do that Got it. so <laughs> as far as involving the residents in the decision process yes absolutely residents at our program were involved in the process we helped answer questions for the applicants we toured them around the hospital mm-hmm. um, and I think well, I think I know that pretty much every program I went to that was a component of the interview was um, having time with the residents um, one-on-one time particularly every interview uh, I went to had that where you just have one-on-one time with the current resident get to ask them questions you know without anyone being around or anything and you know get to hear what their personal experience has been and uh, you know what they really think about the program and then you know it's it's obviously no big circuit Big secret, but you know, if if every program has their residents doing that, then you can almost guarantee yourself that those residents are always going back to the interview committee and telling them their impressions of people. So, you know, it's it's not to speak on my program or anyone else's, but I mean, that's just kind of obvious. I, I feel like you know, if you're spending time with these residents and sitting down and talking with them, yes, and and they're part of the interview, so they yes, they are part of the interview process. I would say at pretty much every program, then yes, and they do have a hand in uh in in the decision making I uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're part of making the decision but
1: uh, your some input uh, might be like they might ask you something but like how was your experience with this student or like do you know them at all something like that
2: exactly yeah I I can't speak about if if every program you know uses the current residents to make the decision I would venture to say that all of them use the current residents to gather an impression mm-hmm. uh, of the per of those applicants. Keep okay. that in mind.
1: Thank you for that.
0: Um, kind of like adding to that, because you did mention a good way to reach out to sort of separate yourself and also the relationships you have with people that you're doing, um, that you're interacting with as well. Um, is there anything particular that you did when approaching your APPE rotations or putting your CV together that you did to stand out?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, again, that ASHP timeline is, is a great guide. Um, and I, I, I kind of followed that to the T when I was approaching my, my rotation, uh, as to what I should be doing, I'll using myself an exam, as an example and, you know, probably it, it's not going to line up as nicely this way for everyone, but I was interested in ER programs and I had my ER rotation, basically all my clinical rotations, uh, before December, I had my block, you know, before December. So I was able to, you know, get all my clinical experience and stuff that would go on my CV, get it on my CV before applications came around. So when I got to that ER rotation, I think it was in October. uh, I came in there with the mindset of, you know, not, not just, you know, like what, what can I do that would look nice on paper, but you know, what can I do for this hospital? I think when you come into your block and your clinical rotations, that's, that's the mindset you got to have. I, I, guarantee you every single hospital out there has a project that you can do every every hospital has like a million and one things to do on a list somewhere of you know stuff that they need to get done they don't have time for there's just so much to do all the time in the hospital there's infinite amount of projects for you to do wherever you go you just got to ask you know you know I honestly where I was doing my block it was a smaller hospital and I just sat down with the the pharmacy uh, the director of pharmacy one day and I was just like, Hey, how can I make this ER better? Uh, you know, like, w- you, Hey, you know, what, what can I do around here? How can I improve this hospital? I just asked those very generic questions and we had a talk about it. Um, and he kind of guided me in that direction. And when I went to the ER, you know, uh, for example, where I was, I kind of noticed that antibiotic stewardship was kind of something that they needed work on. You know, no one had ever told me that it was never, you know, written down, somewhere as something that they needed to work on. But I just, I spent the first couple of weeks just looking around like, Oh, what, you know, what can we do better here? Um, and I was just like, Oh, you know, they probably need a little more stewardship. And I made, I made my own project out of that. It morphed into two projects. And those were like two big things that helped me stand out. I I created my own project. I did my own little mini study in that ER. And I, those uh was, those were big things that not only, it influenced the letter of recommendations I got because people saw, you know, just commitment there, but there was a big thing that ended up going on my CV as things that I had gotten done. But just in a general sense, if you have a passion for a certain specialty, like I mentioned way back, start working towards it with, you know, with certain projects like that, I would say. So it it comes down to, you know, like what, what kind of things that I can do to prove, when I get to these interviews that, you know, I'm not just talking about this. I really am interested in this specialty. Uh And like I said, if it's an MUE or some research, or just you something have, you make up on your own.
1: Yeah, and you have like the evidence to back it up on UCV by the projects you did. And um you're, you're, showing, right? you're not saying it, but you're showing it. You have the evidence to prove it. Exactly, because anyone can go to a cancer
2: center and say, hey, you know, well, well I'm applying here because I'm really interested in cancer. Well, so is everyone else, you know, like mm-hmm. what. You know what were you doing? You know what what do you have on your CV that can show me that you know like you, this is really what you're about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, you know that ASHP timeline is is really good at telling you what to do. But that's the biggest thing in the months. I mean, you're like I would have it in in mind the moment I I the moment I start rotations about like you know what can I be doing to develop my interest and show my interest. And even if you don't have an interest in a certain specialty my interest in clinical pharmacy and how I can develop that for these applications and these interviews start.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I feel even like with myself and I'm sure with other colleagues and people listening that we don't know what we want to do. So I wanted to ask you personally, when did you figure out that you wanted to pursue emergency medicine?
2: For me, it was uh, during my IPPEs. So okay. second year in pharmacy. Um, so for me, it was very early on. I don't want to make that seem like the norm for a lot of people. Like me and you have talked about this a lot. Um, You know, it's it's not abnormal at all for you to be in your fourth year and still not quite know what direction you want to go in. Because honestly, you haven't been exposed to a lot of stuff in real life yet. You know, like you you, you don't know a lot of what's out there until you hit your APPE rotations and you start working every day in these environments and really get a feel for what this is like. You know, you get a glimpse of that in your IPPEs, but not quite so expensive as you know yeah. when you hit your APPEs so I don't, I don't want to make it seem like it's it's not okay that you know you come into your fourth year and you're not quite sure if you know you know about what you want to do way down the line but I think if something like residency is what you have in mind then even if you think you might want to apply you got to be working full force towards it yeah. just in case you know, because it it'll come through 100% if you get when you put through that application and if you get an interview when you go to that interview that you like you only kind of half want to do this or you like you maybe want to do a residency. I guarantee you, please remember this: uh, if if you show up and you know that's what's in your mind, that's what's going to display during these interviews, uh, whether you intended it or not. People can see that. So even if you just have like an inkling or a feeling. That you want to do a residency, put yourself full force towards it uh, and preparing yourself, um, and doing those projects and getting that experience, um, so that you can have a real shot at getting one.
1: Got it. And then, since since we're on that that topic of interviews, can you kind of briefly? I'm I'm sure you can't go into detail about the exact uh, residency interview, but can you give some general idea to kind of help prepare um, some of uh, some of us. Um, before we go into a residency interview,
2: yeah. So um, I'd say general format is um, you go and you, you get a tour. You'll meet with uh, administration, RPD, of course. A lot of times the director, a few different other clinical pharmacists. You'll meet the current residents, and then in, in, in some in some order, you will have your your uh, your interview questions at this pretty much I would say everywhere is, is switched to a behavioral interview based style at this point so those would be the kind of questions that you can anticipate also anticipate you know some questions about specific things on your CV to make sure you know things aren't just on under the beyond there you know like run back everything that's on there and you can speak towards it I actually got asked about this podcast and I, I, I think it was like over 50 percent of the interviews that I went to it's just something unique that I had on there that a lot of places were, were curious about Back when I was running this podcast, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, this, they had never seen it before. They wanted to know what, like, what kind of interviews we did and, you know, where I got the idea for it and, you know, um, what my passion was and, and concern to it. So, so, you know, yeah. And I, I thought, I thought the podcast was just the littlest thing, you know, like me and Brandon had, <laughs> not that, not that it's little anymore. But when we (laughs) really, when we originally, large audience right
1: now, thousands of listeners. Yeah,
2: all the millions and millions. (laughs) (laughs) When me and Brandon had started originally, you know, it was just like a a little side thing that we thought was cool to do, you know. And I threw it on the CV just because, you know, it was it pertained to our professional careers. And I was shocked about like how many places asked me about this. So yeah, definitely know your CV front and back. You have your behavioral based interviews. A lot of, I would say most places had a clinical exam. And so that's not to, uh it's not to frighten you at all. I know that was probably the, one of the scarier parts for a lot of us when we were going to interviews about like, oh, what's going to be on this, uh, you know, clinical exam? I don't want to get stumped. I don't want to look stupid. Without giving anything away about any specific program, I would say they're not looking for you to just to be an expert on anything. They're looking for you to know your fundamentals. Um, so when you get to that exam, please just come in there knowing your core disease state. If you do not know how to treat community acquired pneumonia, do not go do that interview. I promised I was on, <laughs> that was on so many interviews. <laughs> please, if you know anything, know how to treat CAP. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's core disease state. You know, anti, you know, VCE is a core disease state. Heart failure is a core disease state. You know, a lot of your, your CAPs. UTIs, SSTIs, dude, those are core disease states. Diabetes is a core disease state. Hint, hint to everyone out there, you know. But um, to, so, so mm-hmm. you, those are fundamentals as a pharmacist. Like you should know pharmacotherapy for heart failure and the best so
1: possible. Your am care rotation sounds like it. It would be you really want to have that before residency interview. That's something that will definitely play, play a good good part.
2: I would say it's helpful, but you know, I would I would hope that you go into APPES with with some foundational knowledge of like all yeah. that stuff, you know? Um, So yeah, not, not, yeah, that would be, that would be great if you had that rotation beforehand, but I, I certainly did it and not that it's um, that you'd need that, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, just spending a week beforehand, brushing up on all, all those stuff, uh, your fundamental things that you should know as a pharmacist, there are certain core things and your professors can, can guide you in the right direction on that too. But I mean, you, you kind of know like what are the, like the core things, the core topics, as a pharmacy student, that's the clinical exam, and then I'd say about a little over half of places uh had me do a presentation, so this is where things come into play when I mentioned before about doing research projects and getting involved um and whatnot in the months leading up to interviews uh where this uh where this becomes so important because they're going to ask you for it's usually like a 15 to 20 minute powerpoint presentation and it's going to be very very helpful if you have one you've done already uh, on APPE rotations and you just tweak a little bit for these interviews i would say it's it's extremely challenging to you know get these interviews and you haven't done anything and now you have to go make up a whole clinical presentation that no one has edited and and reviewed for you yet that other you know professional pharmacists haven't seen That's really challenging, but that's why I make such a strong recommendation about getting involved beforehand, you know, because it, I mean, it it goes unsaid that if you get involved and you're doing projects, or even if you have your, just a regular old clinical rotation, that you'll do a case presentation on something, you'll have a PowerPoint presentation on something, something that your preceptors will have edited, looked over, and help you polish. Um, and so now you have that in your back pocket so that you can do, you can present that during these interviews so um that'll be part of the interview as well so you got your exam your presentation your behavioral interview questions the tour meeting with everyone mm-hmm. um at the risk of speaking too soon yeah i would say that's it you know that's all the yeah. that's all the rough stuff time wise um i think a lot of mine were like six hours uh and whatnot because those are a lot of things to do when you're kind of rotating with other people who are Interviewing at the same time, you know, once they get through all the formalities and stuff, they kind of break it into like stations. Like, okay, these students will uh, right. tour, yeah, you know, while these ones do the exam, while these ones do this. So, yeah, for most of them, it was an all-day experience.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to tune in for the second episode of this two-part series. Until next time.